1: Hello there before we get into this week's episode I just wanted to let you guys know that there will be no main episodes for about a month because I am taking a break but there will be mini episodes in main episodes place so there will be three mini episodes a week rather than two mini episodes in a main episode and that will be until around I think I'm back on the 14th of May is when the next main episode will be. I am actually away making content. I say I'm taking a break, but I'm not very good at taking breaks. So (laughs) I am away, but I'm also making content. So just to repeat that, there will be no main episodes until the 14th of May, but there will be three mini episodes per week during that time period. Thank you so much for your patience and your understanding. And I will speak to you all soon. Welcome to mini episode 241 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from December the 1st 2022 and story number one comes from Adrian. I was probably around 13 or 14 and home alone. My mum worked nights and my dad had just left to go and pick her up. It takes about an hour to drive to pick her up and an hour to drive home so I had the house to myself for a little bit. It was around 9pm so it was dark out. I was in my room chilling and playing video games when all of a sudden I heard a loud knock at the front door. We had a fly screen so when you'd knock on it, it made a very distinct rattling and banging and a voice calling my name. Adrian. I immediately recognised this voice as my mum's voice. So like I did most nights, I got up and grabbed the keys off the counter and headed towards the door. When I heard another knock on the fly screen, I called out loud, I'm coming, hold on a second. I unlocked the door and opened it, only to be met with darkness. The motion detecting light at my front door wasn't even on. This was strange. But what was stranger was when I opened the fly screen and walked out, our electric gate was still closed, and no car was in our driveway. And the only light present was the motion detecting light that had just turned on as I walked outside. And the one dimly lit street lamp halfway down the cul de sac. The realisation that no one was outside sent a chill down my spine, I still feel today when I tell this story to people. I freaked out and immediately rushed back inside and locked the doors. I very distinctly heard my mum's voice. I felt completely calm when I heard it because to me it was my mum at the door calling my name and knocking. And as I said before, my dad had just left maybe 15 minutes earlier to go and pick up my mum, who worked an hour away, and would take an hour to come back. My parents eventually did show up at around 11pm. I heard the gate open and the car drive up and the light turned on, and like before, I heard my name being called and knocking on the fly screen exactly like I would heard before. Thankfully this time I wasn't met with darkness, but with my mum saying, hurry up and let me in, it's fucking freezing. When both my parents were inside, I told them about it. And my dad was concerned that maybe a neighbour came over or someone was at the door, so my dad, who was working in security most of his life, checked the security camera aimed at the front door. We were both a little confused by what we saw. It was just me. Opening the front door, keys in hand, and walking out a little, only to rush back inside. No one was at the front door, no one had ever been at the front door. But someone with my mum's voice called my goddamn name and was knocking at my front door. This story always makes me tear up and freak out. I've always wanted to tell it to more than just my family and friends. This wasn't the only strange thing that happened at that house, but the other strange things were minor, the sounds of pots and pans being clinked and banged together from inside the cupboard and strange feelings you would get when walking down the hallway towards my parents' room at the back of the house. Something always felt off about that room. I think stories like this are really frightening because what is seemingly like a really standard, normal, non-event suddenly turns out to be something completely different. Like if you hear somebody knocking at the door and calling your name, you're not just somebody, your mother, you're not even going to register that that might be a weird thing until you get outside and there's nobody there. It always makes me wonder about like what this is. Is it like a time slip where... I don't know, the sound that you hear later, like travelled through time somehow. Is it something that is mimicking the sound of your mother? But if so, why to then just not be there when you open the door? There sort of doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it, which is what makes it much scarier, I think. And I don't blame you. Like hearing this story is really quite frightening because you think, oh, my gosh, imagine if it was me. And I was, and I heard my mum calling me, and then there was nobody there. So I un- totally understand why it makes you tear up. And I also totally understand wanting to tell people about it. I'd imagine there's something very cathartic about being able to say, This happened to me. Please listen to my story and just accept that this happened. And it was really, really scary. But if there's one thing that we've learned from this podcast, it's that you are not alone with this one because we've had multiple stories of people who have heard parents, siblings, partners, whoever it was, heard their voice calling them, and then it turned out it wasn't their voice at all. So, who is it? And why is it doing this?
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today
1: and story number two comes from T I live in an old 450 year old farmhouse in a small village in England I'm still creeped out by what I saw I'm 15 years old and I'm still seeing these people since I moved into this house I've been feeling like I'm being watched a lot door slam in the night Doors that I make sure are latched up tight, so no animals can open them, because I'm so spooked out by it. Floorboards creak, but you can tell the difference between a human and an animal. The cat is too light to make a creak, and so is the dog. The footsteps sound like my dad, but I hear them when he's out of the house, or when he's downstairs. They're too light to be my mum's footsteps, so I know they are a man's. Probably around the same weight as my dad But every time I've checked there's been no one around And everyone is asleep Toilets flush in the night Or when I'm alone And the taps turn on too The dogs and the cat act odd too When these things happen Like staring at one patch on the wall for ages Or the cat randomly jumping up And sprinting from the room after hearing the footsteps I was eleven when I first saw them I was thirsty and went to the bathroom Something felt off that night, but I was thirsty, so I brushed it off. As I entered the corridor leading to the bathroom, I saw three people. Now, being 11, I followed the basic rule of being a kid, when if you're scared, then you jump into bed and cover your head with the duvet. So I sprinted back to bed, closed the door tightly and covered my head. Now, scientists say that the human brain can't make up new faces without basing them on anyone, "'but I've never seen people who look remotely like these people. "'It was a family, I think. "'A woman in a big black dress, "'like one of those Victorian dresses, "'and a black hat, "'holding a white umbrella with a floral pattern. "'A man stood beside her in a top hat and tails, "'and then there was the boy. "'He wore beige three-quarter length shorts, "'a black T-shirt, "'and holding a toy train in his left hand, "'by the string. "'Their eyes were bright white.' But other than that they looked completely normal despite the fact that they looked like they were from the victorian era their clothes and faces were burnt now i know there was a fire in the barn on the farm around one or two hundred years ago because some of the beams are still there left because they were strong enough to stay and support the roof but no matter how hard i try to find out any information about the house i never can it's like it doesn't exist it's 450 years old and it's not like it's particularly recent so it's slightly odd that I can't find anything on it. I'm 15 now, as I said, and I've been seeing these people and hearing these things every few months since, always around the same time at 2 or 3 a.m. I'm not sure what to make of them as my family don't believe. My sister has always slightly believed in them but not massively. Now whenever I see them I either try to talk to them if I'm not too tired or I just go downstairs to get water or go to the loo. I've only ever heard one of them speak and that's the boy, but he's only ever said two things. Help and run. Obviously, that really creeps me out, and I'm always jumpy after I hear him. I wasn't sure if I should send it in or not, but thought you might find it interesting. I still can't figure out what happened. There is no record of the house that I can find, but there was a murder in the house up the hill okay T, I'm going to be an annoying older person now and I'm going to give you some advice. Here is my advice to you. Number one, I would advise to talk to your family about it only because you don't know if they're having similar experiences and you don't know if maybe they might believe your story or it might be just good to talk to somebody about what's what's happening for you, what you're experiencing at night time because it, can't be, it cannot be pleasant to be experiencing all of that on your own and feeling like you can't talk to anybody about it and trying to manage the fear because I imagine even though you know it seems like whatever you're seeing is completely benign it still must be terrifying. The other thing that I would advise doing is to go to your local library. Now local libraries aren't really the done thing anymore because we have Google and everybody you know most people have access to Google on their phones or whatever, so they can just look things up there. However, when you don't know exactly what you're looking for, it can be kind of tricky to find things on Google. So, but if you go into your local library, they will often have old archives of particular places. They might have access to old or help you access old census documents or old newspaper articles from the time period. There are lots of things that you can find in your local library that might actually point you in the right direction as to what is going on in your house. It does sound spectacularly spooky though to be seeing like a fully Victorian dressed family just knocking around in your corridor at nighttime. I personally would not be a particularly big fan to be honest. And story number 3 comes from Amanda. Growing up I played club basketball. My dad had been my coach for years and as I got older and played more competitively, we travelled quite a bit. He has this red Ford Ranger that would take us to so many practices, games, and sometimes other cities for tournaments. We spent a lot of time together in that truck, often not talking, just being. Because he was my coach, we truly got to spend a lot of extra time together, and I will always cherish that. Fast forward to 2011. My dad was at home in hospice, ending his battle with pancreatic cancer. He had been through so much, and just couldn't imagine fighting it anymore. When he was a little babe, he suffered from both rheumatic fever and scarlet fever. The doctors suggested that the damage to his lungs was too much and he likely wouldn't be able to play sports, let alone run around like a normal kid. But he proved them wrong by playing basketball, baseball, football and golf. He was an entrepreneur many times over and he became the family keystone and raised all six of his kids with so much love and pride. His grandmother, whom he called Mommy, was the one who raised him. This woman was straight from Appalachia, grew up in a house with a dirt floor, knew how to kill a chicken for dinner, and in her later years, she would wear Estee Lauder perfume. If you've ever smelled the stuff, it's quite specific. As my dad lay there in our front room, his once strong six foot two build etched away by the blackness of cancer, he reminded me of a child. I wasn't living at home anymore, in fact, I was expecting a child of my own. Once he entered hospice I came back to the house nearly every day to be with him. At times when I wasn't there, he was caught gazing off to one of the corners and saying Mommy. This happened a few times as noted by other family members. One morning I arrived and the house was very still. I walked into the foyer and had this overwhelming scent of Estee Lauder engulf my head. I moved around sniffing like a dog and second guessing myself. It was everywhere. It was undeniable and it was real. It was coming from the front room where my dad was resting. I wish I could say it came from someone in the house or someone who had visited, but no one else had been there that day except for my mom, and she doesn't wear perfume, especially not that one. The day he passed, I was about 17 weeks pregnant. I explained to my doctor that my dad was really sick and I wanted to find out the gender of the baby to share with him. The doctor worked out a way for me to get my anatomy ultrasound early and we rushed back to the house to deliver the news. My dad's body was giving up and shutting down and I leaned over and whispered in his ear Dad, it's Amanda. I'm having a girl. And he made a sound and moved his head. I know he heard me and I know that he knew exactly how special that was considering five of his six kids were girls. A few short hours later he slipped away. The following days and weeks were a complete blur. I really don't know when this next part happened, but it remains as clear as day in my memory. I was asleep and dreaming. Suddenly I was shifted into this sunshiny day, sitting passenger side in the Ford Ranger with the windows rolled down. I looked over to see my dad there. He was smiling, healthy, back to his strong and glowing appearance. I shouted, Dad! Oh my God, what the heck, what are you doing here? He reached his hand over to pat my leg and glanced at me and then back to the road. It's okay, he said, still smiling. I started crying in my dream and said, I miss you so much. He nodded his head. We just kept driving for a little longer, lost in the moment, and then he was gone. I woke up to the sun shining, the air around me felt warm and comforting. I could feel a tear rolling down my cheek and I realised it was all real. I remember it so clearly. It was such a gift. A gift that I can go back to in time and time again. Since that dream, I have never dreamt of him, not like that. I know he's watching my life unfold and I know he's proud of me because he has said it so many times when he was alive. There was a reason that dream happened the way it did and when. I think he also knows that I don't need anything anymore. And just like his mommy came to get him... I asked him if he could please be the one to come and get me when it's my time. As much as we want to communicate with our loved ones after they pass, I have to believe that they know so much more than us. They know what we need and what we don't. So if you're someone who has experienced loss but has never dreamed of or experienced the person returning to try and send you a message, I think it's comforting to believe that the plans for your grief are different from what you think they should be. At the same time, this podcast has shared several stories of loved ones confirming there is a place for them after this life and it will be okay. So um, a friend of mine had a family member pass away in her house and all of the family had gathered to be there with this family member at the time of their death. And at various points in the night, family members had different experiences at different times. Very strange things happened in that house. And one of the things that happened was that... Family members smelled really strongly the smell of fresh roses, even though there was, you know, no roses in the house, no one was wearing that kind of perfume, blah, blah, blah. And the next morning, the palliative care nurse um, had a really frank conversation with them, with the family, about how the palliative care nurse had regularly experienced. Family members having really strong particular smells come back around the time of death, whether it's the perfume of a loved one. Often it was the smell of flowers or fresh roses and that this palliative care nurse strongly believed that family members came to collect people when it was their time to go. And I do think it's such a beautiful sentiment and I think there are perfumes, there are smells that are really strongly associated with particular people. And apparently our sense of smell is one of the best memory triggers that we have as human beings. And I would like to think that because he had such a strong relationship with his mother, that she she was the one who came back to collect him when his time was up. Equally, Amanda, it's like you said, some people will have visitation dreams, some people won't. Some people will have experiences where they see, you know, items or things will happen that will demonstrate to them that their loved one has come back. Some people won't i think it depends on the person i think it's very individual and i think those visitation dreams offer a lot of people a huge amount of closure and i understand what people say when they say it it just didn't feel like a dream it didn't feel like a dream it felt like something more something different and if if nothing else gets achieved with this podcast you know when it comes to the time where i think to myself it's time to finish the podcast i'd like to think that if nothing else people who have lost somebody may have gained a little bit of comfort from hearing other people's stories thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to adrian t and amanda for sending in your stories remember the last story came from december the 1st 2022 and if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I should see you next time. Even when we're on
0: a budget, we still deserve nice things.